Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code COLLEGEDRAFT to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Soda time here on The College Draft Podcast. I think I just went four nights in a row, maybe, having at least one Daddy Soda. Thank you very much. We are presented... By betonline.ag. They're your online sportsbook experts. You just use the promo code PODCAST1 and you get a 50% 5-0 welcome bonus. Actually, nowadays you get a 100% sign-up bonus. Double the bonus, double the fun. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. Now I've got the five main podcast the ross tucker football podcast by the way warren sharp today breaking down the schedule like nobody else can warren sharp is the best schedule analyst i'm aware of he's on today's ross tucker football podcast we also have the fantasy feast we'll dive into the running backs from a fantasy perspective a little bit later on in the week with joe dolan wednesday even Money podcast with Steve Fezzik. We will have a special guest. And how about Andrew Brandt? Back-to-back weeks, he's got David Falk, Michael Jordan's longtime agent, on the Business of Sports podcast. I bet a lot of people will end up listening to that bad boy. If you want to be a part of the family, if you're listening to this show, you're a diehard. You love it, right? I mean, you love, because we're going to break down the AFC West draft today with my buddy Matt Waldman from the Rookie Scouting Portfolio. Check him out, at Matt Waldman on Twitter. But you're a diehard, right? Like, you love that Matt is giving you his opinion of every AFC West draft pick today. You should definitely consider going to patreon.com slash Media and signing up to be a tuckhead and be part of our private Slack channel because you would love it. Like you you would just love having that special group that you belong to to be able to chat football with during this time. So encourage you to do that. Patreon.com slash RT Media. All right, Matt, let's dive right into it. AFC West Day. Last week, we did the AFC North. So if you missed out on that, 
make sure you go back. We've got Matt Waldman, one of the best NFL draft analysts in the world, breaking down every single draft pick because why not, right? Makes it more fun. People only ever talk about the first round picks or whatever. That's silly. There's a lot of guys that got drafted. Matt, we'll start with the Denver Broncos. And they started receiver, receiver with Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. Yeah, this is fun because, you know, these two are going to alternate between flanker and slot, if you ask me. I think um, they're going to be guys that Denver try to leverage their open field prowess. Judy is certainly a guy who operates great against zone or where he has to break open, um, you, you know, and find an alternate opening after the first route doesn't break open. He's going to probably start at flanker in two receiver sets, and then they'll kick him into the slot in, in three receiver sets or empty formations, and, and he's going to become Drew Locke's, Drew Locke's security blanket and red zone target, whereas I think Hamler's the guy who's going to earn a specific slot matchups maybe when they empty the formation or use four receiver looks and maybe use some of those big tight ends that they have now on the outside and then let Hamler play outside maybe in three receiver sets. And Hamler's a guy that also is going to be helpful to them on special teams. Uh, you know, he excels on kick returns and punt returns, but he's also a guy that when they get him to the, to the outside and have him, you know, run deep routes, he's very good at being able to cut off defenders at the last moment with his speed, with that late burst and ball tracking. And he's not bad over the middle, but when you have Jerry Judy, you know, if you can threaten defenses with Hamler on the outside and let Judy be able to operate in the middle of the field with his route savvy, uh, you know, this is a really nice matchup, especially when you have Cortland Sutton on the other side, Denver's really trying to become, you know, a team that can, can compete with the Kansas city chiefs point for point. They had three third-round picks, Matt. Michael, I don't even know how to pronounce Michael's last name, a corner from Iowa, Ajamudia. I'll go with that. Then you had Lloyd Cushenberry III, who was considered one of the better centers. And then McTelvin Adjum, the D-tackle from Arkansas, all in the third round. Yeah, it's a nice third round for them because, you know, Ajamudia, they get – a really well-built cornerback. I think he probably projects better for man-to-man than zone, and Denver likes to play a lot of man-to-man. And he's shown skill to, to backpedal and, and press to press the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, he's not a great ball tracker. So what that really means in his game when you watch his film is that while he doesn't get beat deep a lot, he just doesn't make big plays either when it comes to, you know, winning the football. Um and he's because he's a physical presence against receivers in coverage, um, it, you know, that's a really nice thing to have with him. But even though he's well-built and he does that, he's not that great in run support right now. He gets eaten up by blockers and he doesn't get free. But again, you know, this is a player that, you know, Denver probably looked at and said he looks the part. There's a lot of things we like about how he fits with our defensive scheme. And, and we feel like this is a guy that we can mold. And then we look at Cushenberry, certainly – known as, as one of the best, if not the best center in the game. This is to help solidify that offensive line um, and, and to be able to, you know, work with their running backs. And they have a nice trio of running backs. I mean, I know that a lot of people are a little disappointed with Royce Freeman and they added, um, you know, Melvin Gordon to the mix here. But, you know, Freeman, you know, with Freeman, Gordon, and Philip Lindsay, you know, all guys that, that can run the football and can, 
and are and are good between the tackles. Having a guy, you know, at center like Cushenberry is going to be very helpful um, in terms of you know really being able to to work between the tackles and then also helping out Drew Locke and and pass pro. Um, you know, this is going to be this going to this is a really nice pick to be able to have in the third round. And then Agam, you know, listen, he. He was at Arkansas where he played defensive end for a little bit and then moved to defensive tackle. And he's super quick off the snap. He's agile. He's disruptive. He, he just has to learn to diagnose certain plays better. Um, and, and one of those is gap plays. You know, when he's, when he's facing gap runs like power and trap, he, he can get down blocked in a way where he gets – defeated pretty easily on those. And so he's going to have to learn to really figure out how to look at the, you know, look at his opponents and, and understand the the alignments and look and understand what's coming at him pre-snap so that, and have a plan for, for those types of plays. Um, his, he also kind of needs to get stronger as quick and disruptive as he is. He, he needs to get a little bit stronger. He's a guy also where his eyes just, aren't as great in terms of finding the ball and he's and he's not as strong as you'd like to see him that motor isn't as strong as you'd like to see either so he's kind of a guy right now who gets by on his quickness and his agility and can be really disruptive because of that but in the nfl he's going to have to have a little bit more play smarts a little bit more savvy and and the effort's going to have to be there when the first you know when the first move or the first set of moves that he has as a plan don't work that he can counter. So if he can do that, then you've got, you really have something here. It's a fun trio of third round picks. The next three guys I think are all interesting. You've got out Albert, uh, uh, That's his nickname is Chuka. (laughs) Got it. Well, it's interesting because, he had the tight end from Missouri has rare speed. And I know before the season there was some talk that maybe he was like a first round pick. In the fifth round, they took Justin Sternad from Wake Forest. And I gotta tell you, this is a guy I really like, Matt. I can actually chime in on this one. I did the Wake Forest Rice game and I met with Justin the day before the game. He's impressive. Um, you know, he's got a really nice build to him. He's all like 6'3", 235, 240. He's good in coverage. He was very mature, very professional. Talking with him in person, really, really enjoyed Sternad. And I remember thinking and telling some NFL scouts and people after that game and after meeting him that I thought thought he had what it takes. And then Natane Muti from Fresno State in the sixth round. I don't know as much about him other than I think I've heard, Matt, that he's a guy that a lot of people think would have gone much higher but had significant injury issues. So what do you got on Alberto, Justin Sternad, and Natane Muti? Yeah, this is fun because when you look at Alberto, you know, this is a guy that I think is a little better blocker and a little better route runner than he's characterized around the, uh, you know, around the league. I think they're going to use him a lot in two tight end sets in the running game, in the passing game, and maybe even go 12 personnel as a significant base set when you have Judy and, and, you know, Cortland Sutton on the other side. And then when they open up the formation and they, you know, and they bump, you know, and they, they open it up to two tight end, you know, to say empty sets 
or four receiver sets, I think you'll see Albert O and Noah Fant actually work on the outside or mix them up in different looks to find um, coverage mismatches because, you know, this is a guy with superb deep speed. He can go up and win the ball above the rim very well. I think that he's better at breaking back to the quarterback than some people characterize of him. Um, He may not be, you know, Travis Kelsey in terms of how he breaks back to the, to the football or transitions upfield, but there are only really two guys, you know, two or three guys who are in that realm in terms of their, in terms of their athletic ability at that type of size for a tight end. So, you know, I think that he's, he's someone that who has terrific rapport with Drew Locke. And I think that they're going to be a, a really nice combination. And I, and I also wouldn't be surprised if he ends up eventually outplaying Noah Fant a little bit, if Fant doesn't really correct some of the things that he does with his hands, where it's still, he's still a little, he was still a little bit inconsistent last year in terms of how he attacks the ball and he can fight the ball a little bit. And, and I think that having two tight ends who, you know, are of this type of ability gives a, this offense a lot of flexibility. When you talk about Sternad, you know, Sternad, he's really athletic. I mean, speed and quickness. He's good at sideline to sideline type of work. And, you know, there were probably some teams that if, you know, having him where they got him, there were maybe some teams that were picky about the idea of him whether he's more of a safety in a linebacker's body in terms of size. But again, 240, you know, we've seen a lot of successful linebackers in that range. Um, I think right away he's going to contribute on special teams. Um, And I think if he shows an understanding, you know, conceptually of what opposing offenses are trying to do and maintain his role in the defense with a level of discipline in terms of, you know, attaining gap integrity, on, you know, anticipating what he's seen at the line and, and being able to know when to attack. I think he could become a starting weak side linebacker or an inside linebacker. Um, his diagnosis just needs to be a little faster versus some runs um, and certain types of passing routes. But I think he's on his way to being, you know, a starter in this league. I think he's a guy that will that will make that jump. And Moody is, you know, he's a powerful guard. I mean, he is great upper body strength and hard hands. He has to develop precise footwork so that he can work in concert with his upper body. And right now his feet are a little erratic on film and he can be a little inefficient and that makes it hard for him to stay balanced and and earn that initial position. But I think overall, when you look at his strength and you look at his tape, you can see how the footwork issues can get better and that will help him develop into a contributor or a starter. Anything on the seventh-round picks? Tyree Cleveland, a wide receiver from Florida, and Derek Tuska, a linebacker from North Dakota State. Yeah, I mean, Cleveland, I think, is going to compete for a special teams role. He's kind of a guy that you get him in the space, he's going to be able to create for you as a ball carrier um, and maybe be able to compete for a, a coverage guy. And Tuska is a special teams option with a great motor, really strong hand usage and acceleration in the collisions. He just doesn't have great length for the edge and, and he doesn't shed blocks really well on tape right now, but he has some potential maybe as an edge rusher, but he, he really has to refine his move. So he's not just when he's not just dictating the action, when he dictates, he looks good, but most guys in the college game, when they can dictate on defense, they look good. 
Let's move on to the Kansas City Chiefs. And I, I know, Matt, you know, with some of the surprise first-round picks, we kind of talked about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire already, their first-round pick. So let's move on to the rest of their draft. Second-rounder, Willie Gay Jr. Third-rounder, Lucas Niang. Uh, both those guys were guys that, you know, people had talked about a decent amount in the pre-draft process. Yeah, and and these are some nice picks. You have a high-energy linebacker in, in Gay who who has burst, good pursuit, tackles really well. Um, he is blitzing to strength. He finds lanes in traffic and closes fast. And he has the feel for passing lanes and drops into them well while he's reading the quarterback. So he can keep his eyes on the quarterback and find that right spot to drop to. He's well-built. He, he may lack the instincts to play the middle, and he gets caught in traffic at times. But, you know, he's going to be considered a middle linebacker early. Maybe it turns out he'll be better maybe as a weak side guy down the line. But, you know, I think that the Chiefs are going to, you know, take their chances there with him in the middle. Uh, Niang, I mean, listen, he's a 315-pound guard. He run blocks well. He's super smart as a pass protector. He he has excellent feet despite kind of being a little bit top-heavy when you look at his frame. And he, you know, the the question with him might be he had a, you know, a, a tear to his hip labrum. And maybe that was an issue with some of his abilities to stay with edge rushers at the top of the arc. So he could be a value for the Chiefs at tackle if they use him as a tackle. If not, maybe when you look at the pop with his hands, maybe there's some potential for him to play guard. Both guys that I think there's some positional flexibility there and some athletic ability and skills that they can covet for you know someone to be in the rotation or starting lineup. Their last three picks, in the fourth round, they took Legereus Sneed, a safety from Louisiana Tech. You know, I think a lot more people talked about his teammate, Amik Robertson. In the fifth round, they took Mike Dana, a DN from Michigan. In the seventh round, Thakarius Keys, a corner from Tulane. I actually did two of Thakarius' games last year, Tulane at Army and Tulane hosting UCF and Takarius has really nice length to him, moves pretty well. And, you know, they told us that they thought he was going to end up getting drafted. And I think he had kind of come out of nowhere to be a guy that they thought might get drafted. Yeah, for sure. And when you start with a, you know, we talk about keys. I mean, listen, you know, that his 32 and five, eight inches arm length for a guy who plays defensive back as a, say a cornerback who can press, that's just awesome arm length. And, and, you know, you also can see a guy who, if he can get his body behind his tackles, um, I think that this is somebody that could, you know, be a supportive, more supportive guy in the run game. You want to see him do that. He reaches a little too often, kind of relies on that arm length in ways where he doesn't hit and wrap as often as he should. Um, but I think he has a chance to develop in a zone scheme like the Chiefs um, because even though he can press with that arm length, there's times where you look at him and he doesn't recover as well as you'd like to see. He'll end, you know, he does. He needs to anticipate what the receiver's doing in man and 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 make sure that he's right with that. But you know, there's some developmental potential for him when we start, you know, moving our way back upward. You know, Dana, he's a high effort guy. Um, you know, he needs to he needs to do a little bit better with diagnosis and anticipating where he should be a little faster. 
and he's going to need to do that to compensate for a lack of speed and quickness in his game. He's a good college player who might fit on special teams if he can show that you know conceptual skill to play really fast. Um, you know he might be able to do a little bit more for you. And then with Snead, I mean, listen, he played. You know, not only did he play at, at as a too high safety, he also played a fair bit in the slot as a corner. So Kansas City likes to kind of mix and match its defensive backs, and they they've been looking for guys in this in this defensive system who kind of played both positions who can do a little bait and switch on defender on, on receivers in terms of how it may look like that they're going to cover man to man. And then they pass off the player um, and then maybe drift off, you know, one receiver to help out with another. And he could really work well in Kansas city's scheme as a big corner who plays well in zone. And he can handle that kind of bait and switch work that they like to use he tackles well. He tracks the ball well. So I could see him being worked in both positions in Kansas City as needed. So I think he's a fun pick for, for what the Chiefs are trying to do. Let's get to the L.A. Chargers. And I don't know that it was a surprise, but we talked about them taking Justin Herbert. Not not a big surprise there. Certainly not to me. I don't know if we spend a bunch of time talking about their second first-round pick. They traded up, Matt, to take Kenneth Murray, who, man, every time I watch an Oklahoma game, I love that dude. Uh, but, you know, there were obviously some negatives about him as well. What did you see when you watched Murray? Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about him, you know, probably very early in the season. And I, I, I like one of the things that I love about Murray is that he's very good at working to the open field and coming over into the flats. He's going to be able to cover receivers well where he, he works over and is able to make the play early and limit them in terms of yards after the catch. Um, he, you love the fact that he's going to take on interior linemen, but he has some erratic play with gap diagnosis. And I think that's the thing that people get on his case for that you'll see some video of him where, you know, he's, he's heading into a gap full bore and ends up, you know, running into his own players at times in terms of the level, you know, he plays with a high motor level of urgency, but there are points where you're wondering about the eyes and the anticipation, but there are other times you look at his game and you see a really good a gap blitzer. Who's going to be able to, you know, find his way through traffic fast, wrap up the quarterback and get in, get into that pocket in a hurry. And, you know, when you're facing quarterbacks at the caliber of what we're seeing, especially they're all being kind of younger guys um, in that AFC West. Having someone who can A-gap blitz as well as Murray is going to be very helpful to be able to get that internal pressure um, you know, on these passers. He's got some pop when he attacks the center. Um, I think, you know, or a guard, he can, he can fill a gap for his teammates and, and kind of fill a lane and finish. Um, there are times he, attacks a little, he can attack a little high in the crease again where he's in a – kind of in a hurry and, and, and plays a little faster than maybe what he's seeing. And when he attacks ball carriers a little bit too high, you see him bounce off ball carriers that he really has no business letting them break the tackle that he opportunity that he had. But I think that, you know, when he's able to wrap up, when he's playing with his eyes, well, um, you know, he's a very, he can be a very effective middle linebacker and it's going to be, Fun to see how he develops, you know, for the Los Angeles Chargers. Fourth and fifth round were two interesting picks, Matt. 
right in your wheelhouse. Curious to get your thoughts on UCLA running back Joshua Kelly and Virginia wide receiver Joe Reed. I really like the Chargers' backfield as a whole. You know, I thought Justin Jackson was an underrated player, and then we saw Austin Eckler come out of nowhere, and that was they were dra- they were guys who were um, you know picked up by the by the Chargers in the same year, and it was Jackson who got a little bit of hurt. But when you look at hit, adding Joshua Kelly to this mix, what you have are three smart backs who can run between the tackles at various levels in terms of the confidence level you'd have in them week in and week out. Kelly obviously is the biggest guy of the bunch, so they're going to rely on him a little bit more often on situations where they're going to have condensed boxes, short yardage, also maybe you know to be able to put ice away games. Um, and he's a guy that I, I think you know really understands how to work in in those tight areas and run patiently and diagnose what he sees um, in terms of the you know leverage against blocks. He's a he's a very good pass receiver too. He wasn't used a ton, um, but when you watch him on tape, he's very comfortable in being able to catch the ball. Would not be surprised at all if you know after Austin Eckler signed that big contract that you know they they see Kelly and Jackson kind of competing for time a little bit, and Kelly ends up edging him out because he has that size factor, the deep speed that maybe Jackson doesn't have. Um, and that ability to add a little bit more weight to his frame and become even more explosive and stronger. I could see him taking on the Melvin Gordon role. And Reed, he's a terrific return specialist, and I think he's going to be helpful there right away. Um, But he also has nice speed and above-the-rim skills as a perimeter receiver. So if he can become a competent route runner, they might have something there. Tyrell Williams was a bit raw as um, as a receiver when they first had him. Um, and he developed to a level that they could use him as a productive starter, and he's been a productive player now with the Raiders. So those are two nice picks in the middle of the of the draft. Their last two picks are two guys that if you know you're a big college football fan, you've heard a lot about these guys. In the sixth round, they took Alohi Gilman, the safety from Notre Dame, and the seventh round, they got KJ Hill, the wide receiver from Ohio State that seemingly was there forever. Yeah, and you start with Gilman. He's a good run support safety. Um, you know, he'll. I think he's going to begin and thrive on special teams if he can develop a little bit more in zone coverage. Um, it, you know, he has the athletic ability that he can tackle um, pretty well, and and he faces man coverage pretty well as well. You know, he could develop into a factor on defense. He just made a lot of mental mistakes in coverage. Um, you know, in the past couple of years, and I think that's what dropped him. But you know, the the athletic ability is there, and I think he's going to be able to help the team right away. Just it's going to take him a little bit more time, possibly, to become you know a contributor in the defensive lineup. When it comes to Hill, listen, he has the skills right away to work. You know, inside for the Chargers if they want to kick Keenan Allen outside in certain sets and let KJ Hill play inside. I think he can be a very effective receiver who finds his way open. Um, and he does have some skills on the perimeter to get free. Um, and they may have been underused a bit at Ohio State. The interesting thing about those receivers in recent years, especially you know, in the offensive systems that they use, um, they kind of get covered up in what all they can do. So Hill's the guy to me who's kind of a who, who's a jack of all trades, can do a lot of different things. Um, and I think that he can benefit the Chargers passing game. 
especially when they want to use Keenan Allen on matchups outside. Hill's a guy who can hold his own on the inside and be able to create openings for them. So I like the pick, especially this late. We now shall move on to the last team here in the AFC West, and that is the Las Vegas Raiders. We talked about Henry Ruggs, and we talked about Damon Arnett, Matt, because those were two pretty surprising first-round picks, Ruggs being the first receiver off the board, Arnett going in the top 20 picks. How about the third round? Two interesting players, three interesting players. Lynn Bowden Jr. from Kentucky, Brian Edwards, South Carolina, and Tanner Muse from Clemson. Yeah, Bowden's intriguing here in terms of you know, he played quarterback a lot last year as kind of an emergency player. It seemed like that he would be drafted as a wide receiver because that's really what he was before they made the move to quarterback. But I think the Raiders decided, we're going to make you a running back. That's where we're going to develop you and start you off. And I think they what they saw was a guy for his size, they, they saw a guy with excellent contact balance. I watched repeatedly him work through hits against defensive linemen that you just wouldn't expect. And, and maybe they feel like that combination of skills and, and what he could do from a quarterback, you know, as a running quarterback, what he was able to do was impressive enough that they feel like maybe he can be the next Jarek McKinnon or, or something more in that, in that way. Um, he's going to have to improve his ball security. And maybe some of that had to do, some of the fumbles that he had to, had last year had to do with him running so much that he wore down a bit because he's not a big guy. I mean, this is a, you know, somewhere in the range of 200 pounds. So it's going to be interesting what, you know, whether that works out for them and, and they want to use him more of that than a slot receiver. So, you know, I'm interested to see how that develops. Edwards, I really liked. I mean, he, he, he's going to compete with Tyrell Williams, who's in a contract year, so that he's going to get some playing time probably as the team's flanker. He doesn't have Williams' speed, but he's more physical He's better above the rim. I think that he can be a better overall receiver, a little bit more versatile. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if if he's really if he's on the field a good bit by the end of the this coming season and one of their more productive players over the next three to four years. Muse has great straight line speed, um, and he's equipped for zone coverage, but not really man to man. He lacks the hips to really turn and run fluidly especially as receivers are setting it up. Um, I think he'll recover fast, and you'll see him in situations where it looks like he's playing tight man-to-man, but he's getting beat quickly enough that against anticipation, quarterbacks and most quarterbacks in the NFL throw with anticipation. I think he's going to struggle a bit. Might be a, a fairly expensive special teamer as as things kind of turn out if he can't really improve as a man-to-man um, safety. The last two picks they had uh, were fourth-rounders. Interesting. Nobody after the fourth round, but it was the guard from Clemson, John Simpson, and the cornerback that I mentioned earlier, Amik Robertson from Louisiana Tech. Yeah, and Simpson, you know, listen, I mean, you know, he's a nice guard for the fourth round. Bends well, fluid, long arms, big hands, runs well. He's, res- you know, he, he's wrestled, so he's got some feel for leverage. You see that on tape. Good lateral movements, you know, in terms of, um, you know, as a guard, I think that that's going to be okay. Um, he, it's not the greatest thing about his game, but I think that 
he, he's someone that in close quarters, he can be a good fit. He plays with good strength. He gets his hands, you know, framed in position to control opponents. And I'm sure they probably saw a tape of him working with Cleveland Farrell in, in practices or, or heard about some of that. And they picked Farrell last year. They probably liked, you know, what they heard about Simpson and saw from him. And then with Robertson, a lot of people loved him. He's a, he's kind of a, he's also kind of a, a draft Twitter favorite, you know, for the, the internet analyst crowd. He's a, you know, five, nine, 183 pound corner who will probably project best as a nickel corner. He has really fluid hips. He mirrors defenders. Well, in man, he plays the ball to the ground. He's a three-year starter at Louisiana tech. And he had terrific ball skills. I mean, 14 interceptions, 48 passes defended. He has a good feel for when to come off his coverage responsibility and attack another receiver. And he's a disciplined zone defender who doesn't get baited by route combinations to his side. The biggest issue about him is his size. If he plays the way that he did at Louisiana Tech, that's not going to be an issue for very long, and he could wind up being a draft value at that stage. Matt, this is so good. I love this. I mean, is anybody else out there, any other podcast? I don't know. I don't have time to check them all. Going through every single draft pick, it's just awesome. Like, these guys got drafted. You know, they're not going to see him till training camp. Let's talk about him. Let's talk about what they are. I love it. Let's also talk about bet online because you might think with no NBA, NHL, or MLB that there's nothing to bet on. That would be incorrect. Bet online still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. Look, they got online casino, poker, blackjack. And if you're missing the NFL, BetOnline has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations that you can wager on. If you're into entertainment betting, you got American Idol, stock prices, Nathan's hot dog eating. I mean, look, there's a lot, right? There's a lot. BetOnline is your online wagering solution. Right now, you're getting that 100% bonus, but you have to use the promo code PODCAST1 to get it. BetOnline your online sports book experts. I am loving this breakdown. I feel like I'm so like armed and ready and dangerous for this upcoming football season that we are going to have in some way, shape, or form. And if you haven't already, make sure you listen to the schedule breakdown with Warren Sharp on today's Ross Tucker football podcast. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We're all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and The Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.